0: Don't you wish they could do that with a sermon? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Stop it like that. It was perfect. It was perfect. And we'll get Leslie to come back and do that again. Wow. Phineas was 10 years old. And it was 1820. So do the math. Phineas was born in 1810. And he was anxious this particular day because he was about to see an island, his own private island. The day he was born, his grandfather presented him, his parents, with a deed to an island, Ivy Island, off of the coast of Connecticut. And on this particular day, Phineas was so excited because he was going to see it for the very first time he heard about it his whole life, ten years. So early that morning, Phineas and his father and a hired hand got in a buggy to take the journey to see the island. I cannot imagine being with an excited child in a buggy. <laughs> You know where I'm going with this. You're going 70 miles an hour and the kids are going, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? In a buggy, oh my stars, how excruciating it had to be. I'm sure the trip seemed to take forever. But finally, when they were almost there, Phineas' father pointed north beyond some trees. And he said, there, there is Ivy Island. Phineas jumped from the buggy and ran towards the shore, at last his own private island, and he could see it, and his heart sank. Ivy Island is four acres of snake-infested marshland. And his grandfather had told him it was the most valuable land in all of Connecticut. It was. Phineas had dreamed for 10 years that he was a wealthy landowner. And he wasn't. It was a joke. A cruel joke. As the young boy cried, his father and the hired hand laughed and laughed and laughed. laughed. Phineas didn't laugh that. In fact, today he never forgot. You know Phineas. You don't know him as Phineas. You know him as P.T., D.T. Barnum of wriggling, wriggling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. All of a sudden I feel like Paul Hartley telling me the rest of the story. Remember the phrase that he coined? There's a sucker born every minute. I bet he thought about that day when he was 10 years old. And mind the way he must have felt. We've all had our share of disappointments we? If it's not land, it's a job. And if it's not a job, it's a friendship. And if it's not a friendship, it's a family. And if it's not a family, it's health. And if it's not health, it's... Well, the list goes on and on and on. You know Beely like expecting a beautiful island only to get a swamp. There are broken hearts everywhere. And we could all stand and tell our stories of those times and those things that have hurt us and broken our hearts. The music industry has made a fortune out of singing and writing songs about broken hearts. I left my heart in San Francisco. Don't go breaking my heart, Elton John and Tiki D. E. Heartbreak Hotel by Jeannie's cousin Elvis. Apey breaky heart. And my favorite, the immortal classic, you know, stomped on my heart and you mashed that sucker flat. <laughs> do you know that one? You just sort of stomped on my aorta. It's a great, great <laughs> So today we're going to talk about your disappointment and how a Christian should deal with it. How do you fix a broken heart? Let's pray Lord, we all have our stories, and you know them. We've all had events in our lives, and you know them. You know them because you were there. You know them because you know us and everything about us. Father, putting the pieces together, help us to be whole, to be mended, to be fixed. And only you can do that, Father. So do that in our lives. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. The scripture we're going to look at today is from Luke chapter 24. Beginning at verse 13. Now on that same day, (coughs) the same day is the day of the resurrection. Two of them, two followers of Jesus. We're going to a village called Emmaus. About seven miles from Jerusalem. So this is a pretty long walk Seven miles. You could do it. It would just take a little while. And talking with each other about all these things that have happened. They're talking about the crucifixion. Jesus. While they were talking and discussing... Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He'd done this before earlier that day in the garden. Remember the women? They didn't know who that was. He did it again. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still looking sad. That sheds light on it, doesn't it? They're disappointed. They're sad. Their hearts are broken. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He knew. But he asked, What things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth who was a prophet. Notice the word was. They, they thought he was gone. It was over. He was mighty indeed and decent, worked before God and all the people and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. Verse 21, we had hope that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. But our hope is gone we thought he was the one and we're disappointed in our hearts are broken and besides this we continue it's now the third day since these things took place the jews believed after three days your soul left your body and that was it and so they were headed back away from jerusalem to a man verse 22 Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning and when they did not find the body there they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, well they didn't see it. So they're hurting and their hearts are broken. Jesus knows it, and he begins to speak. He said to them, oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures, And as they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from your sight. What a life-changing moment for these two men on the way to a Just from their feet, you could tell their hearts were broken. You could tell that they were hurting. You could tell that they were disappointed. But all that changed. Did you notice what we were told at the end of the story, verse 31? <coughs> Their eyes were open, and they recognized Jesus. They knew he was alive. And then he vanished from their sight. But they've got to be changed now, don't they? He's alive. They're no longer disappointed. Their hearts are healed. So what happened? Did you see the cure in the verses? The cure for a broken heart. The cure for a broken heart is the story of God. That is it. That is the cure. Did you notice verse 27? This is interesting. When Jesus is walking with them along the road, it says, Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them, the things about himself, and all the scriptures. Jesus went back in history a long time. He could have gone further. But he went back about 1,500 years to the story of Moses. And then he finished with himself. Why did he do that? Why didn't he just tell them the events of the week? Why didn't he just tell them the events of the day? Why did he go back to Moses and the prophets? I think I know. What they needed to know and what they needed to hear to heal their broken hearts was that God has a plan. God has a plan. Tell that to your neighbor. God has a plan? <clears throat> Does the world need to hear that? Absolutely. It can be a tough world. I almost bought a newspaper today, but I'm sure I could have found stories of heartbreak in the pages of whatever town USA I've gone into. Thursday, I just, I just ate when the tire bounced across the lane and hit the girl on 400 Thursday morning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought about the disappointment and the heartache in that family, and I thought about the man whose vehicle it came off of. What do they need? Do they need insurance money? Do they need lawyers to help them? What? they They need God. God's still in control. Isaiah chapter 6 is one of my favorite sections of the scripture. Just three verses. But it begins this way. In the year that king Uzziah died. Remember how that begins? In the year that king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne high and lofty. The hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. With two they flew, and one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The reason I love that so much is because the way it begins in the year that King Zion died is the year 740 roughly BC. When the king died in those days, there wasn't a smooth succession of power, it could be turmoil. There could be war. All hell could break loose. And in that moment, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord on his throne. The Lord sitting on his throne. And can I tell you something? No matter how you feel, he's still there. And we need to know that. He is still there. Corey Tin Boom, you remember her name from history of prisoner in a concentration camp during World War II. Certainly, a heartbreaking time in her life, I cannot imagine a disappointing time. She wrote this about her struggles and the heartbreak and the disappointment. She said, when the train goes through a tunnel and everything gets dark, do you jump out? Of course not, she said. You sit still. And you trust the engineer to get you through. We're not real good at sitting still, are we? We want to fix everything. We want to touch everything. And we want to do this and we want to do that. And sometimes all we can do is sit still. Scripture teaches that, doesn't it? Be still and know that I am God. Jesus told the story of God to those two men on the road to Emmaus. So they would know that the engineer still controls the train. That God is still on his throne. And so the next time you are disappointed, and that's going to happen, sorry. In this world, you will have tribulation. We were promised that, weren't we? But do you remember what Jesus said after that? Take heart. I have overcome the world. The next time you're disappointed, remember that Jesus walks with you. And remember he will open your eyes. I'm going to ask Brock to come and play a hymn that you might know you don't need to sing, you don't need to stand. It's a hymn of reflection, a time for us to bow our heads and to thank God that we're part of his story to realize no matter what we're going through, he is still on the throne. Brock's going to play Tell Me the Story of Jesus. It's also a time if you would like to join with our church family, we'll do an altar call today. If you'd like to do that today, if you want to come to the front and pray, pray. Whatever you would like to do, um, just to admit to God who's still in control, we'll take that opportunity to do that now. Let's pray and listen.